In goes Beveridge, Lappin again, gathered by Fletcher, handball over the top, this may open it up. No, Dodd, dispossessed by Everett, well done, Spider, the big Spider! tried to bounce, it didn't come off, but he crashes through the tackle, and then goes bang, and it's play of the night by Peter Everett. Magnificent goal. Look, yeah, Bong was right. I was uh, one of those wayward kids, those teenagers, go through the 20s and uh, obviously up to the 30s, and then I finally come home. So thank you very much. I really do appreciate this night. Well, it is our pleasure on the program to catch up with one of our favourites from the Saints. Spider Everett played 180 games for St Kilda between 1993 and 2002. A dual All-Australian, won the best and fairest in 2001 as well. Spider, thanks for jumping on. No, it's always a pleasure. It's great to, to be a part of it. And, you know what, when you're retired after a few years, anything to do with footy, you still got to put your, you know, try and put your hat in the ring to keep yourself out there. Going to uh, plonk you on the spot first up. We've been, at the time that we're recording this podcast, it's the anniversary of Robert Harvey playing his first game for the Saints. So we've been reminiscing on favourite Robert Harvey memories. Is there one that stands out? I mean, you were his teammate no. for uh, probably 11 years or thereabouts. So is there one thing in particular that stands out for, uh, for Robert Harvey? Do you want to give one or two or ten? No, look, um, I often say that, you know, I want one Robert Harvey back-to-back Brownlows because uh, a Rover's only as good as their Ruckman. So if I decided to hit it to Nathan Burke that year or a couple of other players, Harves would never have been in the in the show. So uh, I try and claim that. Not really, uh, yeah, he did deserve them, uh, especially when, you know, he won the first one, unfortunately, after, you know, um, Thingo got disqualified, uh, and then he he come back in '98 and won it. But halves, I, I suppose, to, like I travelled to Ireland with halves, I roomed with halves uh, in the All Australian team, and he was one not to say a lot. But I just remember on Mad Mondays uh, when we used to be allowed to have Mad Mondays those days, uh, and we used to yeah you know, go out and go as hard as we could for you know, pretty much 24, 48 hours that would always end up for some reason, at a blackjack table. And myself, Robert Harvey, um, Stephen Ziller, we all drank Jim Beam. So we're all the bourbon drinkers. So, yeah, Harves would always be at the front of the table playing blackjack, but he'd nearly pass out. So we're always playing with Harves' money because he was on the biggest money. <laughs> myself and Zilla would be sitting behind him getting the free bourbon and playing with his money, and he'd be asleep. The only time he'd wake up was every probably, what, 15, 20 minutes, the dealer would go insurance, Harves would raise his head, put a couple of dollars forward to put insurance and then go back to sleep for another 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate teammate. Oh, yeah. we loved him. Uh, and one more from me before I hand it over to them, to the boys as well. Uh, probably a painful memory, but one that I have to ask. Would we have won the 97 grand final if you were there, do you reckon? I mean, you're, you're obviously in that sort of form, and we know that Pittman and, and Wren were able to double-team Stewie Lowe in that, that grand final. Is, is that one where you sort of wake up occasionally and think, geez, if, uh, if that shoulder hadn't have popped out, we might have won that flag? Oh, the longer you retired, the more you say, yeah, I reckon by now we would have won by 15 goals. But, um, uh, yeah, look, at the time, you know, you're 24, you know, you think Aussie Jones, Tony Brown, General Smith, this, you know, Matthew Hudson, this young group coming through, we're going to play it every year. So you didn't really think about it. And then when you get to the end of your career and you know that was your only real golden opportunity, you do, you know, Feel yeah, you know, you're disappointed about it, but at the same time, um, you know, Laser Vitovic, you know, had the knee Rico, and myself and him worked really well together. And what I what I 
I suppose I missed the most was the fact that myself and Sean Wren, both very similar players, both similar height, and it would have been a really, really good battle come the end of the season because we had some good battles throughout the years. And it was just that, you know, to, to, to win the ultimate prize off a really good battle against somebody you respect so much would have been awesome. But unfortunately, it, it was never to be. And we know how, you know, when you look back in history books, how hard it is, you know, 66 since the last, you know, premiership and been there a couple of times, but it's just so tough to get there. So didn't really appreciate it at the time, thinking it's going to happen every year. But now, as soon as you're retired and you see some guys who have got two, three, four, you kind of sit there and go, you know what, that was probably our golden opportunity. Now, Spy, Nick Slitter here, mate. Thank you for joining us on the pod. Um, from a you know, reasonably painful memory for, for all of us, um, how about your, your, your favourite memory? In the red, white, and black. Obviously, you, you were there through a couple of you know, really memorable moments for, for Saints fans you know, from '96 Ansett Cup win, um, you know, the, the whole '97 yeah. season. To be honest, what, what's your, what's your number one memory? Oh, really, really hard because you know I really appreciate the football club, and you know when you walk into AFL football and you don't know, you know, majority of us don't know where we're going to be heading you know, outside of school. So you get an opportunity to play footy and then it turns into a full-time career. And, you know, the 96 Ansett Cup and, you know, you have coaches like Stan Ells and, and Tim Watson come in, but then you're playing alongside players like like Robert Harvey, Mickey Winmar, Gilman Cadham, Danny Frawley, um, Stuart White, and the list can go on. So there's so many great memories. But I think um, just the fact of being um, inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, you know, earlier on in the year was probably one of the proudest moments. Um, I was able to have all you know, my, all my girls there and my young fella who hopefully wants to play or wants to play for the Saints one day. But just um, having all the family there, and then not only that, seeing so many of the the former players from the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, and just what the club's been able to build over the last few years is just uh, getting all the ex players back to build. You know, a form of legacy because when I went to other clubs, you know, you go to Adelaide or you go to WA and they have those players in the change rooms. So I reckon it makes a real big difference. So I suppose outside of my playing career, I, I just thought that was a real big highlight for me and really tough to be able to be inducted into the Hall of Fame and at the same time being you know, around so many great players of so many great eras. Guys, by Aaron here. Um, great to speak to you. Basically, I'm going to go back to pretty early in your career. Um, you came in after we've left Moorabbin, so you didn't see any footy out there. But fourth game in, do you remember where you were playing? What's that, the fourth game in? Fourth game, yep. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, we played a couple of two games at Moorabbin, and you used to, yeah, you used to sit in the change rooms and you'd hear the crowd going off, and then that's when... You know, one of the trainers or one of the one of the coaches would say, "Oh, yeah, Plugger's got the ball," and you could only hear it coming through all the vents of the uh, the change rooms there at Moorabbin, and uh, you just knew when Plugger got the ball because the crowd and the atmosphere was amazing. But fourth round in, yeah, Victoria Park, Nicky yep. Wimmer lifts up his jumper and pointed to the uh, the colour of his skin. Yep. Scary place to play. Oh, even that day I remember because um, such a historical game in the AFL and you know I've been done for racial vilification but played alongside 
some of the great, great um, Indigenous players. And, and that day there, I remember one, a uh, couple of incidents. One, I went to pick up the ball out of the gutter and I got hit over the head with an umbrella. And I looked up and I reckon the lady was about 80 and just looked at me and just started laughing. And this is what you expect at Victoria Park. There was no hot water. It was all cold showers. But as we're walking off, I reckon, well, it looked like beer, but it was warm. And I don't reckon it was beer that was tipped on us. So, uh, yeah, look, they, they, they weren't uh, the most respectful crowd, but that's what you love about footy is the is the passion behind it. And when Winmar done that and, and made a really big stance, I remember just the the, the, the hype around the change rooms, the, the hype around just everybody just not knowing exactly how big this was going to be. Um, you know, even Winmar in the, in the change rooms was actually quite frightened, you know, to, to exit. But... You know, ended up being good and ended up being the biggest statement probably in football history. Absolutely. Now, I guess in terms of modern times, now you excelled in what was a difficult year for the club. So you, you won the best and fairest in 2001 when there was a, a coaching change. Malcolm Blight went out, Grant Thomas came in, which is a position St Kilda finds themselves in now where a coach has been sacked as a caretaker in the role. Can you sort of take us through what that was like in terms of how you dealt with the coaching change, what you were expecting to get out of the back half of the year. And I know you've had your clashes with Grant Thomas over recent times, but but perhaps what got Grant Thomas the job in terms of uh, being appointed after that caretaker stint? Yeah, it's always, it's always tough. And I think this situation is different than Grant Thomas because, yeah, Malcolm Blight and you know, Grant Thomas were, were good friends. I remember flying up to the Gold Coast where I live now to get Blighty and you know it was it was I remember just walking into Zen which is the Chinese restaurant at Duke uh, at the casino which is Star now and getting on it for the whole night and trying to slide a contract in front of him <laughs> after he's drunk and I reckon around about 45 bottles of red wine so <laughs> it was it was a remarkable circumstance we had Rod Butters and Grant Thomas and then obviously we know what's happened with Rod Butters and his addictions and everything and then Grant Thomas, so that kind of situation. Grant Thomas, I don't think was, um, I suppose, the best person for the job. But at the same time, he was the best person that Butters and everyone knew to to take over. So, you know, Tomo controlled a lot of the footy club and not just the the footy side of things. He went on to make make finals, so he could actually coach. There, there's no doubt about that. But this this time around, I think with um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, yeah, the early Asaki and now Brett Retton taken over. Um, I think the the selection uh, policy or theory is going to be a lot different. Um, Brett Retton probably being stiff to get sacked out of Carlton in the first place. Um, do some kill to need a lot more, a couple more players. Yes, um, so it's a, it's a totally totally different, and and every year changes, and we know that. Now, I always try to tell people this because I live on the Gold Coast at the moment and, and associated with the Gold Coast Suns where you know, it's so hard to make the top eight, let alone the top four or the top two. You've got to get so many things right. And for the St Kilda Footy Club at the moment, um, you know, back when Grant Thomas was, I suppose, appointed, there wasn't so many... You know, it, it wasn't as harsh as as it is today. You know, 10 years ago, footy wasn't as harsh. You didn't have so many media people covering. You didn't have so many channels. You never, Even though it was still professional, you still didn't have the harshness of what it is today. So, you know, I think they've got their work cut up trying to find the right person because 
realistically, who is the right person? It's a tough choice because who nuts? Now, Spide, 93, 94, 95, we had a tall kind of running, goal-kicking ruckman come in and, and revolutionise that, that position for, for us at, at the footy club. 25 years later, we've got a, another tall, big running big man who can kick a goal and, and get around the ground in, in Rowan Marshall. What, what are your thoughts on, on Big Row? Yeah, look, I, I watched him last weekend and uh, it was fantastic. And that's that's what you've got to be able to do, unfortunately. You, know, you look at um, you know, Brody. Uh, Brody Grundy from Colling- yeah, uh, Brody Grundy from Collingwood, and you know you look at Max Gorn. What Max Gorn? I think oh, I don't know. Question marks still over because I think Corey McKernan, uh, you know those kind of players, Jeff White, uh, really changed that way of how Ruckman played. So I think they've got to be able to play those two positions, as you say, run back, run forward. And I remember through our career, like Dean Cox, these kind of fellas. They were in the top five, top six runners in their football club. So it's no longer with a ruckman, you know, coming in at the back end, just you know, trying to trying to make up the numbers. Now they are actually extreme athletes. They could cover the ground, and as you say, they could actually kick goals. I think it's vital that you've got to be able to play a couple of positions, but you need a couple of them, and you need to be able to. You know, a lot of people, a lot of um, you know, I suppose media outlets sit there and and bag the ruckman, and then suddenly, you know. Brody Grundy has a great year and saying, yeah, he's probably in Brownlow, Brownlow middle form, which is great to see a Ruckman actually win at Brownlow. But what he's been able to do is just extend of what, you know, happened in that 93, 94, 95 season when the Ruckman started to go forward, kick goals, be creative and, and make another avenue. So what they often said, that what, what were we? We were uh, we over in a big man's body. That was about <laughs> it. Yeah. Going back to another goal kicker that has revolutionised the game. Um, you've got to play with him a couple of couple of years to start with, but Nick Revolt, when he first started at the club and came in, and did he look, or did you know that he was going to revolutionise the game like he did? The running forward that basically no one could catch. That's yeah. Oh, oh no, there's no way. I remember when he first, when he first got drafted, him and Justin Zinzinski, I think. A couple of days later, you know, they go on these training camps these days to, you know, high altitude over at San Francisco or over to Arizona and they do Cape York, you know, they do Kokoda, they do all this. When Nick first got drafted, Grant Thomas took us to Warnable and we went down there by train. <laughs> and there's a big difference to what it is today. But, you know, even going down then, um, you know, you look at Nick and I think the way he was able to, to, to mould his game and his just his professionalism to get himself right. And when you see somebody, and you know, I've been lucky enough to play alongside, you know, I suppose Adam Goods, who's, who's another person exactly the same, who plays multiple games in a row. And it's not just through luck. It's actually through preparation and recovery. And that's one thing that um, you know, Nick was very, very good on. His preparation was right. He knew what he needed to do. And his recovery was just as good. So, you know, being able to be a player of that discipline in, in that, in that era, showed that uh, well, it paid dividends in the end. So, one of the greatest players, you know, of the AFL and also the St Kilda Footy Club. So, yeah, I think if anyone out there is listening and any kids are listening, just you know, you go back and think about your your preparation and your recovery until the major things that you know 
Nick did to get himself right every week. My last one for you, you spoke a little bit off air, we were talking about um, how of all the clubs you've played for Hawthorne and Sydney as well, that, that you have sort of come back to St Kilda. Uh, I, I guess in terms of that, is it more about you sort of started with St Kilda, you spent most of your career with St Kilda, we would argue you played your best footy with St Kilda, even though you were good obviously elsewhere, but um, it does appear now that your heart lies with the red, white and black certainly more than the others? Yeah, it certainly does, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm proud to say. It. And I know that yeah, I uh, yeah went to Hawthorne and, and also Sydney and learned a lot going to those football clubs. And you look back now, and everybody would love to be a one club player, like you know, you, you're Robert Harvey, you're still one, you're Danny Foley, you know, through the year that I was playing Nick Lewis, but it wasn't to be. But you know what I what I love now is the fact that not only just um, being in the Hall of Fame is that that you've got. Kenny Sheldon, you got Russell Morris, these players actually building a legacy about the former players. And a lot of the players love getting back there, love talking, you know, the old stories and love getting around the new bloke as well. And most of us, you know, a lot of us have gone on to do different things and, and love to support and um, you know, look after the younger guys going through because we know exactly what it was like when we went through. So yeah, no doubt I'm I'm more associated with St Kilda than any other club and Really proud to be and want to continue in the future. And my, you know, my young fella, you know, we signed him up into the uh, the Saint Edge Club this year, so he's, he's trying to um, you know, improve himself through it. And you know, when we go down there, you see Milne's young fella playing there and a couple of others. So yeah, look, I, I really enjoy. It. Unfortunately, I live on the Gold Coast, you know, and I can get down there you know, half a dozen times a year. But those half a dozen times a year, you know, we love it. And Spide, you, you touched on the fact that, that players love coming back to, to Moorabbin and, and back to the club. What is it from a, a player's perspective that, that makes the place and, and makes the club so magical? I know as, as a, a you know, 34-year-long you know, member and, and fan, and it, it's often hard to describe to, to new, you know, new supporters or, or, or new uh, footy-interested people what it is about St Kilda with our history and, and you know, the losses over the wins and you know, the sacked coaches and, and all that sort of stuff. What is it from a playing perspective that, that makes it so magical? Uh, yeah, look, I think, um, you know, just because, you know, unfortunately with the Saints throughout the years, there's been a lot of dramas. And as you say, from the coaches sitting on, you know, going to the bottom of the ladder and slowly getting up there. And, you know, you've got so much support out there. And we know we're everyone's second favourite team. And, you know, we have got so many... Um, passionate St Kilda supporters, but as as players, it's just that, uh, yeah, as you say, it's that heart and soul of, of football. That's what it is. You know, the Moorabbin, to come back to Moorabbin, to see, I know it's been, you know, renovated, but you can still walk it down on the ground and just feel, you know what, this is, this is what, it, that's what footy we play, that's, that's the footy we play for, is the fact that it's such a, a tight-knit, hard football club, and, you know, we used to have so many great times together, but Everyone used to say, oh, we're the party king. But, you know what, there was a lot of teams out there that party harder than us. But we knew that we'd always get to training and, and, and have a ball together. So, yeah, I think, and it, you know what I love about it too, is it's just that the volunteers, I know every club has volunteers, but I, I can wheel off 10, 15 volunteers that have been there even now, um, since, you know, ever since I was there. And from the doctors to the physios to the people at the front desk to historians, the trainers, and, and that's what builds football clubs and that's what builds cultures. And, and it doesn't matter if you, you go in there to have a beer with, you know, a, a former player, a, 
a former person that ran water or a physio. You know, I still catch up with the doc today, and that that's what it's about. Is it's just a it was just a really tight love football club, and I I don't know. That's that's I don't think yeah you got a hundred years of tradition there. That's and. and and that's the passion that people bring. I can't see it here on the Gold Coast, and it will take decades and decades for them to build it. So it's hard to explain, but it's one of those things, I suppose, when you're back to the wall a lot of the time, you, you seem to you know, galvanise a lot closer. Yeah, a little bit after, for your after-football life. And as you're saying, you're living up on the Gold Coast, and travelling is your thing. Um Barring a miracle, our pre-season is going to start a bit earlier than a lot of other teams. And so basically, I just want to try to find out from you, um, best location for us to travel to <laughs> coming up in the off-season and where's somewhere that keeps drawing you back to go go visit? Oh, look, I, um, to be honest, uh, look, I, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to travel a lot of Australia and New Zealand uh, over the last couple of years doing my travel show. But, oh, look... Uh, I, I still believe, and I, I was lucky enough to do it when I retired in 2008, and I was, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I had that run-in with racial vilification. So I said, you know what, I want to go out to some of the communities in you know, the, the back blocks of Northern Territory and WA up around the Kimberleys. And if you can get players to, to go out there, I don't know if you get a bus, a motorhome, you get some four-wheel drives, and, and go out to some of these communities that absolutely... Breathe AFL each and every day, and they have not much in their life other than you know sport. They struggle to get to school, but if there's sport involved, they get there. It's a really, really good eye opener. So for me, I'd be going to you know outback Northern Territory, Western Australia, Tiwi Islands, and just uh, getting the boys to really appreciate the opportunity they've got. At the same time, giving back because a lot of these play, a lot of these kids in these communities like three hours west of Alice Springs. You know, you've got to turn left at a tree that's full of beer cans, turn right <laughs> at the sack of tyres and get there. Um, and then suddenly you turn up and there's like, you know, 50, 60 kids and they're named after Nick Rewald, Cyril Rioli. They, yeah, that's their names. That's they, they've got other names, but they go, no, no, my name's Nick Rewald. So <laughs> I, I think for kids to see, you know, for, for, for people to see that, I didn't see that until my, to the end of my career, but... Absolutely loved it, and I took my daughters along, and they did as well. So I think if I, if, you know, if I was a coach these days, and I know Hawthorne will go to Kokoda, but you know, keeping it local, um, you know, going out to some of those communities and some of the really remote ones where you know, these young kids don't get to see the legends they absolutely idolise uh, would be enormous for, for both sides. Spider, you're a ripper for the Saints. It was always great fun watching you over the journey. Thanks for giving us a, a slab of your time to uh, to have a chat with us this week. No worries at all. Thank you very much. Anytime.